Don't, why not? Coming to church without a Bible is like going to war without a gun. Amen? If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Colossians chapter 2. And uh, we're going to begin in verse 8 and go through verse 15. What I want to talk to you about for the remainder of our time this morning is complete in Christ or the fullness of Christ. I wrestled with uh, those two names for the title of this message this morning, but both of them are true and both of them are actually part of the verses that we're going to be looking at. In uh, verse 8, it reads like this. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through the philosophy of vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. In Him also ye are circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of sin of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, whereunto also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sin and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that were against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross." And having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let's pray. Father, again, we love You. We thank You so much for who You are, what You've done. God, we thank You that we uh, have the fullness of Christ. By the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us, we are complete in Him. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Strengthen us where we're weak. Help us, God. To always walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh, fulfilling the, the desires of the flesh. God, that we might be faithful to You. And we praise You for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, I just want to notice, want you to notice a few things about these verses here. Speaking of being complete. And what, is that, what does that actually mean? To be complete in Christ, to have the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I mean, Christ Himself is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. When Jesus Christ was here in the flesh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit was fulfilled and full in Him, in this world, in this life. But by the power of the Spirit of Christ living on the inside of me, I have that fullness of the Godhead bodily living in me. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I am full to overflowing with the Spirit, with the power, with the fullness of Christ. And you should be too. If you go by the name of Christ, then we have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of us. We have God living in us by the power of the Spirit. We have God living in us as we pour the Word of God into our hearts, into our souls, into our minds, into our bodies. And we become strengthened by the power of the Spirit and by the power of the Word of God. Thank you again 
for that. She got up and went all the way to the back and got me a bottle of water. And I'm going to be thanking the Lord for you all day because of that. <clears throat> well, I want to look at this in, 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 from the viewpoint of a, of a detective. Uh, you know, the who, what, where, when, why, and how questions that, uh, that officers for the Sheriff's Department, detectives for the Sheriff's Department uh, ask. And the first question that, that came to my mind when we're talking about completing Christ is, is who? Who is it that, that this is talking about? And I, I found some answers to that question outside of the book of Colossians. And, and I, I just did a scan through the whole Bible. I thank God for computers, Bible programs. I can have King James Version on this side of my screen on my computer. And on this other side, I've got 14 other translations. And as you click uh, with your mouse, not on the screen, but with your mouse, when you click on one verse or a book like Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, and you click on that, all of these other verses automatically change. And no matter where you go in the King James Version, all of this other stuff follows you as you go. And it makes it... So wonderful when you're trying to study and find passages that go along with other passages. I just typed in the word in Christ and hit click. And it starts at Genesis and will go all the way through Revelation. And within five seconds, you have every place in the Bible that it says in Christ. And I looked some of those up as well as some other things. And I found this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, where it says this, Ye who were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. As well as 2 Peter 1.10, it says, Make your calling and election sure. So who is it that is complete in Christ? First of all, I like that ye. That means it's talking about you. Well, who is you? It's talking about those who have bent the knee, bowed the head, surrendered their hearts and lives to Christ because God reached into our hearts, into our lives, illuminated, regenerated, and drew us to Himself before the foundation of the world. You who were chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. You say, well, I don't know whether I was or whether I wasn't. Well, if you're in the house of God on a Sunday morning hearing a message about being complete in Christ, that verse in 2 Peter 1.10 applies to you. Make your calling and election sure. You said, oh, okay. How how do I do that? Well, I looked up a few more verses and it came to this. Yes, thank you, Lord. I did push the button. Uh, it, it came to this. John 3.16. How many of you don't know? I'm not asking you to raise your hands if you do know. But how many of you don't know John 3.16? Because it says, For whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And whosoever... Well, how do I know? How do I make my calling and election sure? Because I have put my faith. That's what that word believeth. Whosoever believeth or puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ is part of the ye who were chosen from before the foundation of the world. Well, how do I know? John fifteen five says this, And he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. So, how do I know that I was chosen? How do I know that I believe? Because I'm abiding in Christ. And I'm walking the walk, not just talking the talk. I'm living the life that God has called me. In 1 John chapter 2, and verse 3-5, through 5, it says this, And hereby do we know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in 
him. But whosoever keepeth his word in him, and I love that, it keeps saying in him, in him, in him, everywhere, it's in Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory, and us in Christ makes us fit for heaven and earth. In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby do we know that we are in him. The way that we know that we are complete in Christ is because we were chosen before the world began. We believed in Christ here in this life. He abides in us and we in Him as we walk the walk and talk the talk and live the life. And hereby do we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. It's not that hard. It's not rocket science to find out if we actually are. A child of God. Of course, those verses, if you flip that coin, not only does it, it, it reveal to us that we are in Christ and that we are the chosen of God, but it will also reveal to us if we are not. It lets us know whether we are or whether we are not complete in Christ. Well, the second question that came to my mind was not only who. Who is complete in Christ, but where where is this Completion, completeness, where is it found? How do I, if I'm not, if it revealed to me that, well, you know, I believe in God. I believe if there's one God, they'll do as well. But the devil also believes and trembles. And just because you believe in God like the devil believes in God does not mean that you are in Christ or that you are complete in Christ. So if I'm not, then where, where do I find that completion? How? Do I find that completion will be the next question. But right now, where? You look at verse 9. We started in verse 8 of chapter 2. Uh, I, I don't I'm, I'm going to, let me take that back. I'm going to suck that back in. And I, I want to go back to verse 8. Because I looked at that and I says, wow. Beware lest any man spoil you. You know what that word spoil? It's not like rotten meat or rotten food that, uh, that you left out too long on your table. It's not like spoiling little Miss Annie back there. And I see that whole family back there taking turns spoiling that baby rotten. And I'm jealous and I want you to know that. It makes me mad at COVID that I can't, you know, tickle her toe or something. I, I just, but I would, I, I admire y'all spoiling that baby. But see, what this word means is to rob. It says, beware lest any man rob you, spoil you, the spoil or the rewards of the robbery. They take away from you through philosophy and vain deceit the truths of the Word of God. Now I want you to realize something. That the Word of God is true. But just because it's true don't mean that you know what it says. We talked about that last week when we were talking about purity. And that we can, we can, be, we can know that we're commanded to keep the Word of God, but how do we keep the Word of God if we don't know the Word of God? We've got to hide the Word of God in our hearts that we might not sin against God. Steady to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. But if we have the Word of truth, we know the Word of truth, then we go out and re elbows with the world, then sometimes they are able to rob us to steal from us, to spoil us through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in Him, and in Him only, you do understand that it's not in the church. 
that the completeness or fullness of Christ is. It's not even in the Word of God. We, we can come to church and not be full. We can come to the church with our Bibles and study the Word of God and hide it in our heart and still not be full. There are people who are sitting on pews all around the world that are lost, that are separated from God. And they sit in churches on Sunday mornings. They read their Bible every morning when they wake up before they run out the door and, and face life and go to work. And yet they've never been introduced to Christ Himself. Do you understand the difference between religiosity and the person of Christ? He's not a, he's not a denomination. He says, I am the way. I'm not a way. Baptist is a way, amen? This is the way that we follow Christ. And we say, whoa, wait a minute now, you, you're messing up talking about us Baptists. Well, I are one. I can talk about us if I want to. It's family. But I would be something else if I didn't believe that Baptist taught the closest thing to the Word of God that's going. If I found something else out there that taught closer to what this book taught, I would have no, no problem shedding my Baptist robes and garb and changing denominational distinctives. I am not saved because of a denominational distinctive. You search the Scriptures, and I've told you this, it's a verse, it's in the Bible. You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but there they would speak of Me, and you'll not receive Me that you might have life. So it's not in the denomination, it's not in the Word of God, it's not in a set of rules and regulations. It is always in a person. The person of Jesus Christ. I am the way. Do you want to know where completion or completeness is found? My, my wife asked me one day back 25 years ago why I loved her. Uh, I thought everybody knew you know, the terminology where you complete me. <laughs> and when I said that to her, she, <laughs> she, I think she was insulted. <laughs> that was one of the greatest compliments we can ever give to another person is that without you, I am not fulfilled. Without you, I am not finished. I'm not complete. But you see, our completion as a human being, our completion as a Christian, is not found in our loved ones, not our wives, our husbands, our children, our grandchildren, not our great-grandchildren, not each other as the body of Christ. Our completion, our fullness is only found in the personage of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And if we have not put Him on the throne of our heart and everything that we are in Him and Him in us, then we are not complete. Then we are not fulfilled. It says in verse 9 again, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And that fullness is abiding in Him forever and ever. That all His loved and loving ones may be filled up eternally perfected. Perfected. You see, I'm not perfect in me. Uh, I'm not perfect in you. I'm not perfect in this church. But in Christ, when God looks at me through the blood of Jesus Christ, I, I am as perfect as God is perfect. I am as righteous as as God is righteous. For we are His righteousness in Christ Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. Being complete in Christ. Being righteous. Being made whole. Being fulfilled. And our lives are only fulfilled in Christ. And it says, you know, He has made of God unto us wisdom 
and righteousness and sanctification and deliverance. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 30. And that is part of the fullness that we're talking about. We're talking about the wisdom, the righteousness, the sanctification, the deliverance of God from sin and all of the things that He has done in our hearts, our homes, our families, our lives. All received with grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. It's unmerited. See, I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. I find it in Christ. But even though I find it in Christ, if I believe that I earn or I deserve what I have found in Christ, then I can't have it. The only way that I receive it is by the love of God, by the grace of God, by the mercy of God in my heart, in my home, in my family, in my life. In Him there is fullness that satisfies and power that protects and shields and guides and leads. It's light, it's hope that we find in Christ. It strengthens us, it delivers us, and it makes life abundantly Fruitful. You see, I'm the vine, you're the branch, he that abideth in me, and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. Well, I can't bring forth much fruit without Christ doing it in you. It's Christ, it's, it's his fruit. It is the fruit of the Spirit. We, we got nine flavors, right? We say this all the time, nine flavors, one fruit. It is the fruit, singular fruit of the singular Spirit of God living on the inside of us. And for us to be full, for us to be complete, for us to be finished as a Christian, it has to be in Christ. And Christ in us, conforming us to the image and likeness of Himself. Well, we see who is complete. All of those who are chosen by God and have bent the knee and bowed the head. Where that completeness is found is when we bend the knee and bow the head and surrender our hearts and lives to Christ, the Son of God. It's not to a denomination or a distinction within Christianity or religion, but in a person. Thirdly, How is this completeness attained? How do I get it? If I ain't got it, I know where to get it now. It's in Christ. But how? How do I do this? You see, you tell me it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, according to His grace. So therein lies the answer to the question, how is this completeness attained? Simply by being in Christ. Not being in yourself, but what... What is it, Brother Mark, that's implied by that? What do you mean by being in Christ? The statements which follow here in verses 11 through 15, they'll give you that answer if you look at them real close. They'll give you everything you need to know about what being in Christ implies and how do I go about it. Oh, I understand. It's by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. But uh, you, you look at what these verses say. Uh, by, by the way, we, we studied, we're, we're studying the second chapter of Ephesians in Sunday school if you're missing that. Well, we can't. We spent five weeks in chapter one. We've already spent two weeks in chapter two, and we still haven't got out of the first ten verses. We are having a blast. But uh, what, what, we're, what we said this morning about the Jew and the Gentile and how God hath made both one flesh in Jesus Christ through the circumcision that was made not by hands. You see, that circumcision by hands, the Abrahamic covenant that was signed, sealed, and delivered by the physical circumcision of Abraham, that is past. And now it's not the circumcision of the flesh, but the circumcision of the heart. 
that brings us into a covenant relationship with God. How do you circumcise the heart? Well, the fleshly or the worldly nature of the heart has been dissected or cut away by the Holy Spirit of God coming to take up residence on the old, inside of us. Old things pass away. The old nature, the old flesh, the old sinful you, the old sinful me. That doesn't mean that we don't sin. It just means that we're not bound by sin. It has been broken. It has been cut. It has been circumcised and cast away. Now if we sin, and we do, we still sin, but it's not a habitual lifestyle of sin. But it is grace by faith. You look at the circumcision of Christ that it says, and uh, we're, we're going to look at verse 12. We left off in 11. It says, buried with Him. In baptism, whereunto also you are risen with him through faith in the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. Now I want to stop right there and, and let you realize that uh, by being buried with Christ, you want to know how to be fulfilled or how to be completed, what that implies? It means a death. The burial means a death. That Christ died for me and rose again from the dead, but that by grace through faith in Him. The, the Bible says in what? Romans chapter 6. verse. What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we continue in sin if we are dead to sin? We, we are dead. There was a time in my life I was alive to sin and dead to God. But now by grace through faith in the finished work of Christ, I'm dead to sin and alive. To God, And that is pictured in the baptismal waters when we by grace through faith receive Christ as our Lord and Savior. We go up here and we step down in the water and the pastor takes you by the wrist and you grab your nose and he holds you underwater until you bubble and then he brings you back up. I make sure you bubble to make sure that if you were lost when you went down, you're begging to be saved by the time you come up. And you're crying out to God for mercy. And do you understand that that water doesn't cleanse you? That water doesn't place you in Christ. The only baptism that places you in Christ is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And do you understand this is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ? That is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of you. That I died to my old life. I died to sin. And now I'm raised up in newness of life. To live a life that brings glory and honor to God. So part of being complete in Christ is that picture of the baptism that it paints in our lives. Through faith we are baptized into the death of Christ is what it says in Romans 6.3. If you read just a little bit further than, than I quoted a minute ago. But now the old man is to be thrown off of the throne, dethroned, and Christ is to be enthroned in our hearts and in our, our lives. What is Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 says? One of my favorite verses. You hear me quote all, all the time. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. That's talking about this burial and that I died to myself and I'm raised up in newness of life that Christ is alive on the inside and He's ruling and reigning in my life. The cross should be to us the death of living life to ourself. 
Did you get that? The cross. The cross, an instrument of death. And the cross is the death of my living my life in the flesh. See, I've got to be crucified. He's got to be edified, rectified, glorified, resurrected in my heart, in my life. Well, it's not only the circumcision of Christ by the circumcision, but by being buried with Him. And we, we notice that again in verse, verse 12. Uh, uh, buried with Him, but by being raised with Him. In verse 12 it says this, You were buried with Him by baptism, wherein also you were risen with Him through faith. So what that said is that I died, and when I came out of the water, Water had nothing to do with it. When I came out of the grave, I came up dead. See, I died down there. And when I came up, He was resurrected in here. He lives His life on the inside of a Christian. Do you know what a Christian is? A Christian is somebody living in somebody. Best definition I've ever heard of a Christian. A Christian is somebody living in somebody. I'm dead. I died. Christ lives in me. The hope of glory. Christ in you. That is the only hope that we have of glory in this world, in this life. I'm going to turn to that Romans chapter 6 because I can quote a couple of verses out of it, but I can't get it all and I want to read this to you without missing a lick. And 1 through 5 says this, What shall we say? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin, I was dead to God and alive to sin, but now I'm dead to sin and alive to God. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted or buried together in the likeness of His death, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection. Now, I remember the little lady at her brother's death, Lazarus, and Jesus saying, where is He? And she says, well, Lord, He's, he's in the tomb. Roll a stone away. No, He's been dead four days. He stinks by now. I'm the resurrection and the life. Believest thou this? Though a man were dead, yet shall he live. And she said this. She says, Oh Lord, I know that he's going to be resurrected at the end time. At the resurrection of the dead, at the last day, he's going to come out of the tomb. I, I believe all of that. And Jesus says, Oh no, you don't understand. I'm the resurrection of life. Now, here, now, you're looking at a dead man walking. I once was dead, but now I'm alive. You you know the verse and the, the hymn. My friend, it's not in the sweet by and by one day apple pie in the sky when I die that I'm going to be resurrected. Oh no, I was dead and I've been resurrected once already. God reached into my heart, illuminated my mind, regenerated my soul, drew me to Himself, saved me and I can no longer be the same person that I was ever again. I can no longer go back to that lifestyle. Well, it's not only 
By the circumcision of Christ, cutting away the fleshly part of our heart, us being buried and dying to the old nature and the old person that I used to be, not only us being resurrected, uh, First Peter says, He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope in chapter 1 and verse 3. And of course, verse uh, thir- 13 out of chapter 6 of Romans that we were reading in a while ago, uh, speaks to that as well. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Are we yielding ourselves to the Lordship of Christ as though I were dead? The life that I was living was a living a life of death, of separation from God. And now since, you know, the circumcision of my heart, since the burial of my old nature, since the resurrection of Christ in my life, now I'm living a life that brings glory and honor to Him as though one that were alive from the dead. But fourthly, as being forgiven. You know, everybody likes to think. Well, certainly God has forgiven me of my sin. Well, okay. But there's a way of knowing that and not just hoping that. Uh, You look at verse 13. It says, And you, being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened, brought back to life together with Him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Now, wait a minute. When when we say all, and Paul and I have had this discussion about does all always mean all in the Bible? And no, sometimes it doesn't uh, always mean all. All can mean all of certain particular groups of things. Uh, But when we're talking about sin and, and the blood of Jesus Christ and the remission of sin, and the atonement of sin, and the wage of sin, and the price of sin, and the sin being paid for, are all of my sins under the blood of Christ at the moment I trust Him as my Lord and Savior. When I bend the knee and bow the head and surrender my life to Him, are all of my sins, not only past, not only present today that I've committed already today, but even the future ones today that I haven't committed yet, or Tomorrow or next year or five years or a hundred years if I live that long? Are all of those sins already under the blood of Christ? Yes, is the answer to that. All of my sin were in the future when Christ hung on the cross. Did you hear that? When He shed His blood and paid the price for my sin 2,000 years ago, All of my sin were future tense. And they were already paid for then. Now true enough, it comes a place in time that I have to bend the knee and bow the head and receive Him as my Lord and Savior. But certainly what we're talking about is the wage of sin being forgiven and now me coming to a time the wage of sin being paid for, and now me coming to a time in my life that I bend the knee and receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, and now I am forgiven for those sins. I have people all the time telling me, especially out at the prison, I run into this at least two or three times a week. I've asked God to forgive me, and I believe that He did. And I say, well, wonderful, I'm so glad to hear that. And they said, I, I've called my, my parents or my husband or my children or whoever the case may be. 
And I've confessed my sin to them. I've, I've never done that really as explicitly as I did. And I told them how sorry I was not only for sinning against them, but sinning against God and that I hoped that they could find forgiveness for me in their heart. And they told me they did. Boy, tears just running down their face. And they said, but I have trouble. And I said, really, what's that? I said, I'm having trouble forgiving myself. I said, that's good too. See, that's a good thing for us to wrestle with our own sin, with our own weakness, with our own flesh. For us to realize that God forgave me. Other people have forgiven me. But boy, they really, God does, but they really, they don't understand. They don't know the depth of the darkness of my heart and my mind. And the Bible teaches that the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? So sometimes we think we know it, but I'm telling you, you don't even know how desperately dark and wicked and depraved we really are. But we know enough to where even though we've been forgiven by God, it takes sometimes years for us to actually come to forgive ourselves. But my friend, when we realize that God has forgiven us, what it says in verse 13, "...and you being dead in your sins and trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh..." He hath regenerated. He hath birthed again, brought back to life, quickened it together with Him, having forgiven you all of your... Even though I wrestle with myself, knowing... And now listen, you've got to know that you know. Not hope that you know, not think that you know. But my friend, if you want to be complete in Christ, if you want to have the fullness of the Godhead bodily living on the inside of you and have that steadfast confidence assurance of Romans chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. I have that type of confidence because not that I'm forgiven myself, but because I know that I am forgiven by God. How do I know that, Pastor? How can I know that? Well, because of the completeness that is found in Him through understanding that I was chosen before the foundation of the world. That that completeness is formed in me by the power of God through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Me being buried with Him and raised again from the dead through the circumcision and the burial. I'm forgiven. But lastly, by the hand of God paying the debt. You see, how do I know that I'm forgiven? Because of the price that was paid for the debt that I had. How do I know I'm forgiven of my debt? How do I know that I'm forgiven of my sin? You look at verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us which was contrary to us, He took it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. How do I know that I can have the fullness, the completeness of Christ? How can I know that I was buried with Him and raised with Him in the baptism of the resurrection of Christ? 
How do I know that I'm forgiven of my sins? All of them yesterday, today, and forever. Because God says that by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, they were nailed to the cross of Christ 2,000 years ago before I was ever born. Why, I love that. It says this, Do this and live. Disobey this and die, basically. If you do what God commands you to do, then you have life. If you disobey and live the life of the flesh, then you have death. Verse 14 again is saying this, that it's blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Boy, I like that. That was, that's past tense was against us, which was contrary to us, and took, past tense, took it out of the way, nailing it, of course, to the cross. When was the cross? 2,000 years ago. That is past tense. That is something that God has done for us before we were ever born. And now if I've truly come to confession, to repentance, to submission, of the Lordship of Jesus Christ in my heart, in my home, in my family, in my life. You look at one more verse. It says this, having spoiled, verse 15, having spoiled principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now here's the problem that I have. It's, it's a spiritual warfare problem and I know it and it doesn't make it any 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 easier knowing it but it it does bring it into perspective it makes it now not any easier but at least to where I I can deal with it what I'm saying here is is the last one that we talked about uh, having that debt the sin the handwriting on the wall that was erased in the blood of Jesus Christ. And now I'm having a problem, you know, wrestling with that. God forgave me, yes. People have forgiven me. Thank you, Lord. But boy, how do I forgive myself? And especially when under the attack of demonic spirits. That's what 15 is talking about. And having spoiled principalities and powers. What principalities and powers are we talking? We're talking about Satan. We're talking about the demonic realm. We're talking about a spiritual warfare where there are demons in this building, in this room right now. And they are are warring for the heart, the mind, the soul, the will, the emotions of God's people. They want you to feel bound. But God says, I'm not. God says, I'm free. God says that I've been washed in the blood. God says that I've been set free from the bondage and the yoke of sin. Verse 15 says that God, having spoiled Christ, the blood of Christ, having spoiled principalities and powers, and made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In His death, burial, in resurrection. What is it? What is it that I have done that God has forgiven me for? That people hopefully and prayerfully have forgiven me for? What is it that I can't forgive myself for? 
Oh, I still wrestle with things. And I know that in the morning hours, I'm awakened with spiritual warfare. Attacking my mind. Attacking my soul. My mind, my will, my emotions. Trying to bring me back under subjection to the guilt. To the guilt of sin. But my friend, I'll tell you what. There is therefore now again that I quote Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh yes, we have to walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh for us to be able to have that confidence to know it. But my friend, I can know that I know. Hereby do we know that we know Him if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments is a liar, and the truth not in Him. You can't know if you're not walking the walk. But my friend, if you're walking the walk, you can have confidence in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we love You. We thank You so much for Your love, for Your mercy. God, we thank You that greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. We thank You that we are complete in Christ Jesus. Thanks, thanks be to God that give us, us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, we are helpless and hopeless without You. But God, with You we are more than conquerors. And we give You and You alone the praise and the glory for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.